Hey Daywalkers, I'm Hannah. And I'm Carissa. We are Daywalkers, but you already knew that. A corporate goth survival pod for the weirdos at work. I would like to start by acknowledging that I am on the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung lands of the Wurundjeri Nation, oh, the Kulin Nation in Wurundjeri country, and acknowledge elders past and present and sovereignty was never ceded. Okay, today we have a very special episode. We're having an all-interview podcast with uh, my, I like to say, lifelong friend, Miles, and probably most goth man I know. Uh, he is a musician, currently lives in Melbourne, and oh, he is also a member of the band The Night Terrors. Hello, Miles. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Yay, happy to have you. Um, so, Miles, I can't not mention this i have been lucky enough to have met you when i was a teenager i think it was about 15 and you lived in the same apartment no you were dating someone who lived in the same apartment building as my mom and my younger sister and i and i have to say you're probably the first really goth person that i ever met in my life <laughs> that's, <wonderful. laughs> that's great uh, i believe back then i probably was Probably only partially goth, or probably not wearing a lot of black. Was I? I can't remember. I definitely, I definitely remember some like floor-length black coats. Like, and you're a very tall person as well, so you have like a very like big presence. Definitely, there was a lot of black. I can't remember what your hair situation was at the time. This is around (laughs) two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Long and blonde, I believe. Yes. This is like um like the Matrix era where everyone was wearing those long black. Um, like leather coats because they were huge for a while around that time oh wow yeah I think I wanted one really bad <laughs> yes yes in... that's right well that's that was in St Kilda right yes that was, that was in Elwood technically yeah, there's Elwood. a lot of going to St Kilda oh. right. yes, yes. Oh. well god I would have been probably about 22 whoa okay yeah. I was at that age where I thought that everyone older than me was like mid 30s like you're just like <laughs> the, the most like mature people i'd ever met yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> um speaking of because this podcast is all about kind of gothness from when we're young and then sticking with it into our current age um yeah. please take us back to the beginning miles when did you yeah. first identify as a goth um i reckon it was probably uh hard to say really like uh, I think maybe out loud when I was about 18 and would have been because I was always into horror movies and I was grew up in Hobart where there wasn't much to do so uh, all of my music and film stuff came from you know it was just at the start of the internet the internet was kind of useless for discovering things like I remember like looking up my favorite bands like ministry and there was like one web page that like loaded like this like really slowly <laughs> yeah half a day and then it was just their logo and um you know look look at our records on this at, at annual record shop but there's actually nothing there um <laughs> and uh i think when i went to uni in my first year of uni at uni in tasmania there was a computer lab and i spent a lot of time in the computer lab with slightly faster computers trying to <laughs> find out about bands um and i think around this time that or maybe in year 12 that one of my friends i had some friends who had older siblings and they were into goth music so they were i got given some tapes that had like uh, early ministry on it and um 
uh, Nine Inch Nails and, you know, the classic stuff, but it was like very, you know, this is, you know, it's Hobart, so everything's 10 years behind. It, yeah. They were listening to the night, the 90s stuff. And I mean, even when I moved to Melbourne in 97 and, and I really wish that I could just go back there now and go and see the bands that were playing then because everyone was obsessed with Skinny Puppy and, uh, you know, all that kind of like nits ebb kind of stuff. And there were bands that were playing those kinds of gigs in at the Punters Club and at the Evelyn and like it was, all, there was a lot of it, like maybe all the, the gigs in the, in the sort of early sort of midweek shows were bands like that. And um, my band was not a goth band at all, it was like a gravity kind of punk band. But we went and saw lots of those bands and um, when we first moved here, so probably around that time. And my first internet pen pal was uh, someone called Cosmic Micro Dixon 69 that I met in a chat room. <laughs> and she she told me that she was a goth. And I was like, well, what, what's a goth? Maybe I'm a goth. And, and <laughs> around then. So I would have started talking around Hobart, the Sims Ministry, and having to order all those CDs in from overseas because they weren't really in, the in stores. And that was probably probably it but for me it was kind of a secret thing like i didn't have friends who were doing it and i was just into it myself because i was a bit of a um music librarian like i was sort of getting into jazz and getting into you know esoteric music and, mm. and noise and stuff at the same time so it was just one of the threads for me but also because i was getting into playing the theremin which is the instrument that i play around the same time so i was also discovering that on the internet and it was in a lot of movies so for me, it's always been about movies and music together. I think that's how I got in. Certainly, excuse me, I certainly never met any goths until I moved to Melbourne. Mm. Um, oh, actually, that's incorrect. My, some of my older, uh, older cousins were goths, but they were like, you know, the pure, the sweet mm. style. And okay. I just thought they were punks. I didn't really oh. get that, that goth back then. Oh. Um, so I definitely had elder cousins. All my, all, all my older cousins were um Women and so like they were they were goths they were and if I talk to them about it now they're like yeah you're goth, but we didn't really say it out loud it wasn't a, there wasn't a movement in Hobart so um, yeah in, in Melbourne I came to Melbourne and went to goth club and went oh this is this is amazing <laughs> that's so cool I think of Hobart as a very goth place only because I mean there's the Museum of Old and New Art there I mean Dark mm -hmm. Mofo like is there a more goth event that happens anywhere else right especially no, in Australia. But the rest yeah. of the time it's just like sleepy as hell though isn't it it was and so the funny thing is that i in the first year i was in melbourne i went to a goth club because one of my friends took me and it was the abyss it used to be every friday night at the royal melbourne hotel it was huge like every friday there was like a thousand people like a very big very healthy goth scene back then oh. and i i went to it and i was like wow and my sister came, my little sister came up from hobart to go and see Bruce soul and I took her to the golf club because I was like, I think you'll think this is funny. And she just went, what the, like, and it became immediately goth. And then went back to Hobart and started the first golf club with some other guys. And she met some older guys who were running a kind of small golf club. And she got involved and my brother, my younger brother too. So they got super gothified by that. <laughs> and then they've been running that club since then. So it's the longest running golf club in Australia. And what, What's the, the name of the club? It's called The Coven. The and uh, it's been running since in, in Melbourne. It's in, it's in Hobart. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's been running since then, so that's like 98. Wow. 
And then my sister is now also kind of internet famous because she runs this website called Gots Up Trees. Um, <laughs> which is just pictures of Gots Up Trees. <laughs> submissions. Well, we discovered that Goths like to take photos of themselves up trees. And so she's had um, submissions from, uh, you know, people from The Cure, people from uh, Rammstein, um, the guy from Cold Cave. So she has a little, oh, I have to look this up. That's am, I'm not, oh, I'm also not aware of this phenomenon. That's amazing. Yeah. She she gives the ratings out of five for how far up the tree they are, <laughs> what whether or not they're smiling, if they're in the graveyard or not. Um, and then she's very strict with them. She won't give people high marks, and she she knocked back the guy from Cold Case because he wasn't he didn't fit the criteria. <laughs> I have to make a submission to this. This is yeah, yeah. my next goal. Yeah, yeah. I'll find yeah. somewhere in Griffith Park near the observatory or something. Have the Hollywood yeah. sign behind me somehow. This is, I think, like, speak, thinking of goth in a more, I guess, like, existential way and not just, like, aesthetics. Is there anything that you recall from, like, childhood or when you, before you were, like, 18-ish, we are like, oh, actually, that was quite goth of me. Or, like, I did have some more goth sensibilities. Like, what would you say was, like, the, you know, what would, what really, like, drew you to goth in the first place? Like, um, Yeah, I think my family has always had a, my mum's side of the family has always had a bit of a mythos about people in the family who are clairvoyant. Oh. And my mum and her, her, you know, sort of witchy kind of stuff. And um, uh, I think that story, those stories were always around. Also, I grew up with night terrors. That's the reason the band is called that. So I had, I grew very quickly from six foot eight, and I was, I was almost this height when I was thirteen. So I, I had a lot of growth hormones, which caused my sleep to be quite fucked up. And um, wow. I used to sleepwalk around a lot and like do things, and people would think I was awake and I was asleep. And so there's this whole narrative of weird behaviour. So I was always interested in things like that. And I think I've all, even just when I was a kid, my mum's a uh, children's author, and so she had a lot of great um, books for young people around, and, and I spent a lot of time reading, and I was always just interested in the, the darker stuff. Um, mm. I don't think that was goth, though. I thought that was just normal. Like, I always liked the bad guys in the movies. And, like, I, I don't know whether I thought of it as being anything particularly unusual. But then you get when you get older and you meet the rest of the world, you realise maybe you are a little bit unusual. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, I grew up in a family where that, that was fine, and I think that I was very, I was very lucky to grow up with you know people around me who were also unusual and, and intelligent. And I think to me, it was always about being being able to be. You know, I grew up in Hobart, it's a bogan place, so you know, you might create your own world where it's not you know. Super bogan. <laughs> I mean, not there's anything wrong with bogan, and I identify as an art bogan these days. But, like, <laughs> but I, you know what I mean. I think you know, very footy, and you know, certainly the, the world has changed a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm. I would wouldn't think of Hobart that way at all. But I guess I'm only ever visiting to go to the museum, and when it's like you know a very cultural festival time. But mm -hmm. I never thought of Hobart any other place. I always think of it as a place I would love to retire to because it's just so beautiful and. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think the beauty, the beauty of Tasmania is also a huge factor. Like it's very gorgeous, very beautiful. It's very goth. Like there's mountains and rivers, and you can look at the water, and it goes to Antarctica. You know, like <laughs> the distances are huge. It's freezing. People down there run around 
it's very much like Norway. Like if you want to have fun as a young person, you've got to, you know, rug up and get outside. Inside, mm. up to see what you're doing. So I think, you know, very much, uh, you know, lots of parties on the mountain and taking mushrooms and, you know, like the, I grew up in a time when everyone was very active against the government for logging and all this stuff. So it was very much a sort of hippie punk crossover thing. And that's mm. actually pretty goth, really. Like, you, you mm. don't realize when you're kids that like punk and hippie together, it's quite connected. I was actually going to ask, because we talk about our experiences as goth people, because we, we identify as women, um, mm. what, what would you say was your experience growing up as like a young goth that's, you know, I'm assuming not a woman? Yeah, um, I think most of my friends have usually been in them though, and I think that like, it speaks particularly growing up in Hobart, I was playing music, <clears throat> of course back then there uh, there's a lot of guys playing music, but actually in Hobart, it was very equal in gender. And, um, you know, I, uh, it was a, there's no record labels there, so everyone's just convinced each other to be weirder. The band <laughs> needs to be weirder than the next band. You have to, you know, you break the band up and it becomes predictable. And, you know, we had people in bands that had, you know, if you had a normal rock band set up, you were kind of hopeless, like you needed to be. Some, there'd be a piano accordion or someone, you know, just doing spoken word or, you know, someone putting their finger on the end of the guitar lead or otherwise it just was just not interesting. And I just thought that was normal. And I think uh, particularly we had we had gay people in the community back then which we didn't even think about. And like it was, it was queer and very arty and, you know, yes, people could have watched a little bit more, but like overall it was an interesting kind of punky scene and with no money and no, you know, we had lots of venues to play at. So the reason I'm saying all that is when we moved to Melbourne, we very suddenly realised that wasn't like what the rest of the world was like. And it was very hard for our friends who were women, women who were in bands to get the opportunities that other people could get. It was very much a boys club. It was very much about joining another sub-genre of people and making yourself palatable to them in order to get shows and to be an artist. And I always hated that. I think that the thing that has driven me as a, artist and as a person in the world is, is really that other experience of uh, um, not having to fit in. And I think that's connected to being in a subculture. I, I don't hide in a subculture because I can't handle the world. I, I like to be in lots of subcultures and I think that you know there's there's things about uh, an underground community that are, is uh, super valuable and you can translate it out of there. You don't just need to hide inside it. Mm. Is that, that even answer the question at all, or is it just answering some other question? <laughs> no, 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 no. I no, you probably did, yeah. Leading us to more um, questions. Well, I was going to ask, um, like, is it okay to go into a bit about the Night Terrors, like your your band, and what kind of sound you have, how it all came about, how goth influences your sound, if it does, and any other kind of like other bands that might influence your sound? I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Night Terrors are was originally people from Hobart living in Melbourne, and we had, um, so it's all people from that original community. And um, uh, we, we just started jamming, one of those things where you just, you know, I played the theremin and I played with the bass guitar and we had people there, a drummer, no guitarist. And um, that's just what we did. So it wasn't really very calculated as to how it ended up sounding like that. It was just the instruments that this group of friends played. And I think that uh, I was, of course, the person dragging it into, I, I named the band, or I came up with the name. So 
some of the other band names were absolutely hilariously bad. <laughs> um, and, and I fought pretty hard for that name because I just thought it was good. And the other guys were not not from, you know, the other guys were more from uh, a post-punky kind of prog rock background, really. And, and we're, you know, working in record stores and, and things, whereas I was at art school and I was very much, you know, um, learning about the history of, of, you know, visual culture and films as well as music. And so I think that's all, all connected there. And I mean, it's the playing the theremin, like the theremin is so, the, if you want to play the theremin in a band, you have to create it. No one's ever going to say, hey, we really like the theremin player, you know, and if they do, they're not going to put you in a spot where you can do what you want. So I think it was just about creating a space that we, where we could do the stuff that we wanted to do. And Melbourne was very receptive to it because, you know, people were different. Um, but, you know, I mean, theremin's people know it from horror movie soundtracks and sci-fi soundtracks, and it does that really well. You don't have to be a very good theremin player to knock people's heads off with the visual side of it, which is very handy for me to start because I'm really shit for a while <laughs> in public. Um, and um, yeah, I think that uh, the the connection. Well, obviously, the name has been super it, 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 super uh, influential in where the band's gone. Like we, having that name, you end up being drawn into certain worlds, and the metal community liked it. The goths obviously liked it, and we've never sounded goth. Like we, I don't believe it's goth music at all. But but that doesn't matter because people, the goth scene doesn't. There is no goth music. Goths, the goths are, you know, adopters of other things. And, you know, yeah. the, the vampiric nature of, you know, we'll take, you know, Danish pop music and, and we'll say that that's goth music and we'll take metal and, you know, there's so many things that it claims. There's not a big group of music that come from within very consciously, I, I think. So, um, yeah, so I think I think that that was it. And, I mean, I, you know, a real goth will never admit they're goth. Obviously, we're in the same place here, but, like, <laughs> you know, that's the, the general rule of the Uber God is that you've never admit it. Like, you, never, you won't hear any of those bigger God fans ever saying that they are, even though they know they are. Like, the, <laughs> because it just shut, it just shuts down a whole lot of questions in journalists and, and mm. people who are shit. And I think you know the idea of being a, a God is always you're always managing someone trying to give you a hard time about it. And and the way that you do that is to make it funny or to deflect mm. it or. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's always been about, especially in the early days of uh, being involved in the scene in Melbourne, it was about everyone there was was uh, well, really smart, really uh, aesthetically tuned in. They could talk to you about books, they could talk to you about movies, and, and you could talk to these people in a golf club context back then. You know, the drugs were different then. People were not rich before everyone started taking ping as golf clubs. It was more like, wine and heroin <laughs> Not oh, wow. but like people it was much more about you know being formatively um you know there but also about meeting people in the social club aspect of it and then very quickly after everyone said things and it all changed into a different thing which is which is still like that now yeah wow um but you know a different slight like the party side of it just came into a different way I'm interested to know, um, and just to like clarify for listeners, um, so you um, came of age like the mid '90s, early '90s. Yeah, I was 18 in 1995. Oh wow! No, 96. 
Yeah, because I, I think like in my mind, I it's so like fascinating to hear about like goth stuff happening in Melbourne, there being so much of it, because like I was probably, I was 12 in like 1999. And so mm. I would, you know, I would go to the city with my family for only on like, you know, around Christmas time and for like special occasions. And so like, it's like you're filling in like a blind spot for me. I'm like, oh, wow, there's like this, all this stuff going on that I'm just completely unaware of. And I'm really interested to know, like, if you ever got much of like a backlash from like the wider community, like, you know, funny looks or like, you know, anyone who thought you were like satanic or something like that. Oh, well, still happens now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, uh, oh, wow. Well, I think um, my life, so I moved here in the late 90s, my band was playing in, my bands were playing in rock venues, you know, the show, you know, all, all those kinds of places. And then I would go and do those gigs and then I would leave and go to the doctor. And so I had this sort of double social life where I would, you know, go and be professional in the rock place. And then you go to the doctor, no one, there'd be no crossover, absolutely no one would be in both places. And so, and then the goth, the goth scene back then was so huge. Like this was every Friday night, there'd be a thousand, 1,500 people there every Friday. Then there were like three other goth clubs that were also on. Like Revelations was a really great one. There's a huge one called Dog Gotha that was on Easter. There was a thing called White Noise, which is just for power electronics and stuff. Um, there was Camilla's every Saturday night. So, so there's two big goth clubs, Friday and Saturday night. You could go out and stay out, basically. And they were always full of people, and there's so many goths, just so many. I mean, obviously, people are coming into the interstate, and, and, but, but you know, there was just a big, big scene. Yeah. Um, and it was great. And you could go, it was sort of like you could go and party and, and hang out in those places and do whatever you wanted to do and no one would ever hear about it. Like, and also it was very much like the, the way now people would think about a queer community in terms of, you know, there were people experimenting with all those different kinds of things and it was very safe and it was run by women. Like there was way more women than men in these communities. All the big DJs were women. You were there as a guy, and you were kind of like in the, in the opposite spot that you normally be. You'd be, you know, quite objectified, <laughs> and and you'd you'd learn, you know, you couldn't you couldn't participate in the community if you fucked up. If you fucked up, you were just out, mm. and it wasn't a way back then. So it was a really interesting, quite well realized alternative community. Wow, um, what happened to it? Or do you think it's like? I mean, did the I guess the clubs like close down at some point or? Yeah, I think people got older. The people who were running it then were significantly older. Um, there were a group of people who left when it got really pingery. <laughs> um, and, and, and then there were other people that really loved that. I think, um, see, it was, a just the, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. People were making lots of money from it. The clubs were making lots of money. There were heaps of goth shops. There were heaps of hairdressers. There were there was there was you could find goth boots in normal shops like it was just such a big mm. and you know goths were spending all their money on stuff so like <laughs> you know, it was it was it was good business to be involved in it and I think what what happened was um, maybe the internet might have infected it somehow people just sort of I think generations of people just stopped going out mm. and then we noticed like you know I used to live with. Uh, Jerry, who runs now runs Fang, who used to run Cabaret Nocturne, which is one of the later clubs, and and Kate Fox from Requiem. I used to do a club with her, and they were like the young, like younger generation of that. And then it, it, it sort of fell onto them to do it, and they did it for a while. And, and 
and I was involved with DJing in those spaces as well. And then it just sort of, it just seems to have naturally gone away from the city. I think the EGOTs where they are now. And I mean, even around, it's the same everywhere around Australia, there's way less stuff happening. Yeah. There is stuff. Um, I don't know. I just, I think maybe it seems to be less centralised and people, you can, you can, you know, you can get online and listen to someone set who played in Tbilisi, you know, mm. immediately and you don't necessarily have to go to the club and um, maybe younger people are less, I don't know, I mean, I think there, maybe there are less people who want to go out and get trashed all the time. I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. It's, not, it's hard to say because I've just been in, involved in it in some way the whole time. It just naturally ebbs and flows. I think it's more about you need leaders, you need people to stand up and hold it together from the top. And if they're bad people, it will dissolve. So you really need some people who care about the community and want it to be a uh, want it to be a good place rather than just a trashy place. And I think maybe mm. if those people aren't there, then it can sort of dissolve a bit. I'm wondering if um, the resurgence of uh, like 90s aesthetics, even a little bit early 2000s aesthetics, is starting to bring back the goth kind of culture feel like I'm even noticing with some of the alternative shops a lot of the early 2000s aesthetics are sort of coming back and and you know people are getting back into that era of music which is you know you had stuff like um like Nightwish and Evanescence and that kind of stuff that was really popular and it yeah it'd be really cool to see if that's sort of gonna impact nightlife a bit more I know there's a goth club in town that is getting a bit more popular like I'm seeing more and more events that are popping up there and that's the only one I've heard of though that it still feels like it's a very niche thing like it's not something that's overly popular it I, does feel like it's kind of died out a little bit is that the new order that you're talking about? yeah new order yeah. yeah yeah well new order is sort of like the only uh no I shouldn't say that there are a few things happening now but new order is the main one okay and that yeah I think that is uh to go back to what you were saying before about fashion side of it like in 2012 13, when the, there was the huge high fashion focus on goth, that's when it was at a peak in Melbourne and when Requiem was very popular. And, and all of us who were in bands that were slightly goth suddenly became much more popular. Like people cool. were very, very much into it. That's very normal part of the gothic cycle, I think, is that you know, mm. the mainstream will flow in and out of it. And, yeah. got, and that, that's good. You can't fight that. And I think goths. Who are serious about it and are trying to run clubs or you know contribute to the culture will never try and stop that from happening because that's how you build new goths, you know, the classic story. But um, I think uh, in terms of the like, I went to Chadston a few months ago with uh, my ex girlfriend, and it was like everything was got like all of the all of the uh, shops were full of black stuff and yeah, parking. You know, there's really a thing now. I guess know the whole Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson kind of, you know, hashtag golf boyfriend 2022 thing. Yeah. Like, um, like, it's pretty funny, vapid, silly bullshit. But then that's okay because, I mean, there are opportunities there for the people who are really interested in it to um, you know, make some money and keep their thing going. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, the metal, Nightwish and that kind of thing, like the metal side of it, Back in the day, it was like the goth dated metalheads, but they didn't really like each other's stuff that much, but they had to out of them. And it oh, was yeah. <laughs> as well, like, you know, the, the worlds collide a little bit. 
Um, I know that the new uh, Bang has a metal room. Sometimes you'll see DJs who find a golf club with a metal room, which is guys headbanging, girls headbanging, like, cool, that's cool. I wouldn't think. But, like, you know, yeah. um, there's always been connections here. And, like, back in the, in the day in Melbourne, like, the golf club had an upstairs room, which was punk room. So the, the partners of the golfs could be upstairs having a non-golf time for a little, you know, it's like an escape. That's like, so awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I always had that thought that was always there. So, I, like, I remember when I was oh, like 18, dating a guy who was probably too old for me, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but he, but I was definitely like this little goth with, you know, that whole kind of romanticized idea of life and, and that sort of thing. And he was definitely a punk. So, that actually makes sense to me how that pairing happened now that you've talked about that sort of intersection, how people are kind of like, well, I wouldn't date you if there was a goth around, but you'll do. I think that yeah. might have been the case <laughs> with yeah. that one. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Like, goths can be quite insular if you're in a subculture, and you're, you know, you're, it's kind of always. I think now about Trumpism and people getting anti-vaxxy and getting weird and being, you know, mm. they fill up their social media feeds with stuff that reinforces their way of uh, mm. thinking. And really, people in subcultures also do that. They share music with each other. They share films. They keep up to date with things. And you can become, you know, you're you're open-minded by definition, but you can become quite narrow in your open-mindedness. Oh, of, definitely. Yeah. And then by dating cross genre, <laughs> then you end up, you know, learning a lot about other other stuff. And I def I've definitely had, and I think a lot of people do. It seems to be like a very uh, normal thing to happen in a smaller town. But there aren't enough goths anyway. But in Melbourne, you could just date the goths. But the problem yeah. is that people who are there, there's a goth spectrum of, you know, normal curve of people who are very interesting and into the intellectual side of it and the aesthetic side of it. And then there are people who are just like lazy and just have to the book now, just not going to move from it. And, you know, and unfortunately, that, up that end, you can get some pretty dodgy. Um, political stuff as well, same as metal, like, you know, in. in uh, the goth thing has always been heavily influenced, especially industrial music, by so much German stuff. And, you know, there are people who flirt a little bit too much with the uh, right wing side of that. And mm. goth thing, goth scene has a problem with that. And um, uh, you, if you push too, conversations too far with people in goth clubs, you can discover people who are a bit racist. And That's are insane. Bit, yeah, it's very common. Wow, I, I didn't even realize that. I'm so sheltered with, because I mean, yeah, got, even goth itself for me for so long, you know, as a person of color, it was kind of weird because I thought, is that something only white people do? Because, you know, they've got this pale skin literally and the whitest kind of people. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, yeah. And it's, yeah, that makes sense now that I think about it. There would be that weird sort of crossover with um, yeah. that kind of stuff. Very Australian. Uh, uh, it's typical of Australian underground communities. My, when my band, the Nightshows, went to tour Europe for the first time, we were asked if we were a Nazi band in five different countries. Holy we shit. We don't have lyrics. We, we, you know, there's nothing about it that even vaguely is but that, but it was just because we were wearing black. I had blonde hair. That was it. And the theremin, and, you know, mm. it was like, it's, it's the name of your band, like, are you Nazi? And it wasn't like mm. uh, an accusation. It was mostly just a, like, is that like just checking yeah oh, like, so shocked but then when we, we looked more into it in europe like there are people who will stay away from these genres because they might be associated with it and that's only really changed in the last 
five years, maybe 10 years, where mm. industrial technology becomes such a big thing and mm. people are thinking about it differently and it's much mm. more disco and early electronic music and it's and, and it's not really, but it's still around, you know, and like I've met people who I thought were lovely, but then once you've got to know them for a while, they drop a couple of bad comments and you're like, oh, you think I'm like you. So mm. Ooh, I've, yeah. I've spent a lot of time as an older person and then the other thing is you meet someone and they think you're a certain kind of person because of the way you look and then they get disappointed if they're not like a super hardcore person um, or, you know, people who approach you or thinking that you're going to be, um, you know, someone whose boundaries are in a particular place because of that, what they're assuming about how you are and that can be a problem. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, I've had the funny experience of we went to play at Dark Mofo. I was playing theremin with JP Charlotte playing the organ, and we saw these things in churches. And the religious community got upset about that and uh, accused me of being a Satanist. And maybe someone made this big, very involved video saying that I was in a cult with Hilda Clinton and John Podesta. And, oh, wow. and it caused all these problems, like with a whole bunch of the churches pulled out of the of the shows, and we lost mm. a lot of fair money. And and then. I had to go and speak to the churches and assure them <laughs> that I wasn't a Satanist. And, oh, no. Uh, uh, and then that is actually my professional life because I work uh, as music curator for the city of Melbourne and someone wrote to the city of Melbourne and said, Miles Grant is Satanist, he's fired. So Jesus, people who love Jesus, can do silly things when they think that Jesus wants them to. It's so think, weird though. Oh, my God. <laughs> and anyway, like, I've never, a younger person I wasn't, I didn't think it was political to be involved in subculture like this. But when you get hit by that, you realise, no, it is political. People are just trying to get rid of difference and they're just trying to, you know, absolutely just see if they can hose your way because yeah. they just, you're making them uncomfortable. And I like making yeah. people uncomfortable in that way. Yeah. <laughs> I think, though, so, like, in a way, I mean, I hate to put all the blame on Marilyn Manson, but... um you know, like the allegations that have come out about him apparently having, you know, Nazi paraphernalia and that kind of stuff. And also, you know, he, he is like apparently a priest of the Church of Satan and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, he's a very highly, like he's one of the most public goths, like goth rocker people in the world. Yeah. And so I guess churches and that would, that would be a main association would be people like him. And so that when they see, oh, this person's wearing all black and they play the theremin, oh, Jesus, probably... <laughs> He's probably oh, yeah. into that stuff too, and you know, yeah. it's um, yeah, yeah. That, you can see where the connections kind of happen. I think Marilyn Manson in the day, back in the day, was a was an interesting figure, and 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 not a bad one. Like his whole yeah. thing was, um, I'm deliberately shocking these people to show how silly they are. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think and, it was really effective. Yeah, and and even if I wasn't necessarily involved with that much musically, I thought that and that version of Satanism in terms of being ordained in the Church of Satan, Church of Satan is like Scientology. It was in, it invented as a countercultural religion to try to point out why that how much Christianity and other religions get away with stuff like no taxes and you know influence on politics and culture and and you know favoritism. So it, it, it would end on, and then the same thing with Satanism, like Anton Bay started sort of as a joke, the same way that Elrond Hubbard did, but then became powerful and then, you know, it influenced them and they ended up doing whatever. I think Marilyn Manson is very similar. Um, and, you know, back then it wasn't something that you hid that you were, you know, 
lying around a pile of groupies backstage. But it yeah. hasn't aged well. And you know, people, yes. people's, people's, you know, there's always been people who've been questioning that and saying that it was wrong. But the, but the alternative music industry said it was right. And so. Well, yeah, that was just how things were. I mean, they, you yeah. know, they had groupies and lots of goth people doing whatever they could to get backstage and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that that world has changed a lot. And um, yeah, but that, that that ties into it. Like if you're a goth DJ and you've got these young kids coming in and they're trying to talk to you, that you know, and you're and you're not a, you're not a mature grown up who understands your responsibilities. Mm. That um, there is there is as much of a, a potential for something bad to happen there as there would be in a techno club or, or any any club where there. Yeah, young. regardless. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Now, my experience is the goth community is very, very caring, like the male community, like by and large, more caring of young people and more worried about people being impressionable and what your responsibilities are as an old person. Mm. Yeah. I just can't believe that anyone would think you're a Satanist because you're probably like the most gentle person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Well, um, I guess it's, you know, they said to me, it was just, you know, particularly this more recent thing, they were like, you look at you, like, this is what you look like. Most people what you look like. I'm like, this is just what I look like. Like, like I don't, you know, sorry. Mm. <laughs> yeah, people people will certainly make some decisions on how you look. It's, um, mm. it's the world we live in, unfortunately. It yeah. bloody sucks. That's so, that's so gross. Oh. Speaking yeah, of... Yeah, but it's, it's good for me, though, because it makes, when someone really, really discriminates in that way, like, I'm, just, I'm a middle-aged white man. It doesn't happen to me. So... It was good for me to have that experience. It helped. It made. It really radicalised me pretty seriously, uh, particularly in my work and, and all the things that we do now artistically. It's like, you know, creating, uh, fighting against that is, is really a lifelong fight. And, and the, the only people who don't think are the people who have been on the scene yet. But while we're talking about just like general people making assumptions and whatnot. I'm kind of curious to know, like, because you, you to me are an elder goth, you can pass along wisdom miles. Um, how, like, and so I get you've also obviously been goth for a lot longer than I have. Like, is, like, how have you gone, like, finding work? And, you know, have you always, like, sought out, like, creative jobs, like, because of your gothness? Like, have you ever come into any trouble with that? Um, I'm sure I have not got jobs because I've been doing music before I decided that it wasn't going to work for that reason. I would be the one but, um, but that's uh, um, probably more to do with somebody being uh, just a narrow person. I mean, you don't want to work for those people anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I have, yes, I've always worked in, I've uh, worked at the NGP for a long time. Uh, I've worked in musical been used for a long time so it's always been connected to art stuff i worked as a copywriter for a long time and um i worked in bars <laughs> <laughs> so you know classic classic um artist musician stuff but um you know and now i mean i'm very lucky like i basically work for the city of melbourne as a music curator and it came from an, uh, an album that my band the night terrors did um with the grand organ in the melbourne town hall and Basically, I ended up helping my predecessor to, to do some programming, and then he left, and so I got up and got it. But and so, uh, yes, I, I it's very god friendly. My, my workmates think it's funny that I dress the same way at work as I do when I go out. Um, <laughs> but, um, I love that. That's wicked. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know, I mean, I think that if you're I'm six foot eight, I look like this. I play a weird instrument, and I, you know, I, I'm not your standard macho dude. And so that can be hard for people in Australia to deal with sometimes. Mm. I, I find that if I go to Berlin, I never have a comment. No one ever comments to me about what I look like, how I speak, or or the things that I'm doing with my life. And and so I think Australia is still very backwards in terms of um, the way we think about what people are allowed to do, what, what's a constructive person um, and what kind of relationships and jobs and things that you should have, what's serious and what's a not serious thing, whether mm. you're supposed to have kids or not, like all this stuff. Um, I find when, when you're having those conversations with people here, they come up all the time. If you go to other places in the world, they're not, they're mm. not even in conversation. Wow. Oh, being an artist is really valued in, in parts of Europe. Like, you know, people are into the art and music as consumers of it for their whole lives. Whereas in Australia, you hear people saying all the time, oh, I stopped listening to music when I was 20. Like, mm. like well, you know, I'm too busy with whatever. It's like, I, I can't be one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're just like giving me the reminder of why I moved to Los Angeles. It's yeah. just like, I, I've, I remember just so many times like I'm Hispanic or like on my mother's side and you know you get asked like more often than you need to be asked like what nationality are you it's it's so important in Australia for people to know this information um of course the classic Melbourne question where did you go to school like it all matters too much and then you uh like then you live somewhere like Los Angeles where quite literally like whenever my sister comes to visit she always remarks like you could wear whatever you want out of the house in LA and no one would look at you twice and I'm like yeah there's actually literally a man on my street who rollerblades like in a thong <laughs> all the time yeah. and it's just it's just the norm and yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone does something creative here I get asked about the nature of my sexuality every weekend I get asked about um, what I'm wearing every weekend and depending on where we are it's it's constant and it ne it's never going to stop and that's so invasive and it's not to do with being goth, really. It's just like you're, uh, you know, you're just a different person. Mm. In Australia, we have this culture that if you have two drinks, you can say whatever you want. They all are, you know. Yeah. If mm. I think if the, the dogs in Berlin are better behaved than the Australians. Like, you know, dogs in Berlin walk around with without, without leashes and they all behave perfectly. The Australians have two beers and they're getting arrested. Like, so it's really this sort of juvenile culture that we have in so many different ways we're sort of arrested in this juvenile moment as australians and that's why so many people leave mm. but also why why people participate in, in underground um, cultures and uh i run this record label called hippie machinery records and we release a whole lot of different genres of music and people are always like why do you do all the different genres i'm like yes. like that's why wouldn't you yeah like, i narrow it was fun to connect cross punks with the Charlie Disco kids and you know the soul artists with with you know the the, the pale violence metal band and like you're on the same label you're in the same town you're part of the same communities and you're all in underground communities that care about um, looking after people and uh, you know making a space for ideas to be um, shared and you know it's usually got a punk element to it but like you should all know each other why don't you and the reason is because people just shut down into their little silos so yeah I, I really hope that the work we can do now as older goths or older 
cultural pick leaders is to um, get get people who think they're open minded to realize they could be a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Speaking of older goths, like who are your, I guess, like, I mean, not just mentors, but like influences. Chris and I had an episode where we we're talking about like just like older goths to look up to as far as like just like aesthetics of like how to dress like you know how does one age as a goth and I always think yeah. of like the you know the Doc Martin sandals I'm like oh at least I have I know what footwear I'm going to be wearing for the rest of my life <laughs> um, um, but is there anyone that you've ever like that, that you really look up to as far as like you know, and that that's an older goth you think is doing it right? Um, I've been lucky enough to meet the guys from Neubauten quite a few times and play sizes and that those that sort of generation of people and Nick Harvey from the Bad Seeds is mm. just around the corner from here. So I've mm. seen him a fair bit and um uh, the secret goth enclave in North Melbourne and we're aware of a lot of gods here. Um uh and I think that I look up to those guys because they have they are considered to be you know goth uh, leaders but they're also artists and First and foremost, particularly the Neubauten guys, like they're they're all about um, the innovation and um, being political. And you know, punk music is really about being political and and, and protest music and uh, talking about what's wrong, talking about how things can be better. Even romantic goth music is about the creation of a utopian of alternative life or talking about alternative lifestyle. So. Um, the reason that's important is like we were saying before, if you don't, you just get drowned in beige, you know. Mm, you know the same you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. first sight kind of culture. And, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, I, it's, it's it, you can live, you can exist. So, to answer the question, um, people that I look up to, well, my Theremin teacher, Lydia Kavanagh, she's, she's Leon Theremin's grand niece, and I went, uh, she played on all the um, Tim Burton movies and oh, wow. um, like Art Saxon, Edward, and and um, and everything really. And uh, the my, people I look up to are kind of in that world that they're like um, people who are so goth they don't even really need to present that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love um, that idea. Yeah, and I mean, like, like Ministry were my favorite band when I was a teenager, and I still, even though I think their later work is not as interesting, like. The idea of, of that music being about what's wrong with the world and, and getting people to talk about it and making that a cool thing to be into rather than just something that you don't care about. Like, um, uh, yeah. In terms of fashion, it's interesting. I think the, in, the industrial techno crossover with goth now is really interesting and fashion has come right back in and yet it's definitely like Crystal Phalanx in Sydney and um, mm. uh, is it? great resource and, and people who, who are drawing the connection between high fashion, short fashion and um, and street clothes. Um, I think that's a constantly evolving thing and you should, don't have to give up on it. Certainly there's lots of great examples from queer culture now, all the crossover, just so much crossover. So you can, mm. you can goth is supposed to be like, you know, builders like stealing things and putting them in the nest and saying, look, look, look I've created a new goth today. Mm-hmm. So, and I think um, that's the way. But having said that, I wear the same shit all the time. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, 
it's important to have elders and not too many people want to step, step up and, and take the spot. Most mm. people would like to, you know, there's a whole culture of trying to make sure that they're not getting older and, um, mm. you know, that, that they stay hot and young and that their internet social media presence is, you know, popping in that way. Um, mm. I'm not interested in that at all. Like, I, I think that you can, you can get confused with that as being your personality and yeah. it stops all your creativity into how you present yourself aesthetically and you might miss the opportunity to be an artist who can contribute something culturally um, and I think that subcultural activity is always about generosity like this, it's gift culture like you're giving people ideas you're showing people no one really makes money from it like you know so it's all about the culture of giving for the sake of the community um, uh, even though I'm sure lots of metalheads and gospel hate that to think of themselves that way it is really what they're doing Wow. Um, well, I think that you've given us so much, Mars. Is there anything else you wanted to ask, Chris? Yeah. Uh, no, no. This is amazing. I've been learning a lot, actually. This is one of my topics of interest. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's wrap it up. Um, so we have two regular segments that we totally forgot to ask you the first part of at the beginning of the episode, but let's do it now. Miles, what is a goth thing that you, a particularly goth thing that you did this week or happened to you this week? <laughs> I had a really good one. <laughs> I was uh, uh, an extra in a horror movie, oh. a cult cult member, uh, a satanic cult member. Oh, there you go. And uh, I also contributed some music to the soundtrack of this movie, so I can't really say too much more about it, but it will come out. So, oh, exciting! Uh, what about you? I'm Chris intrigued. Or? Um, I started Halloween shopping this week. That's my goth thing. I'm already planning what I'm going to be doing to our new house and it's pretty, pretty cute. Lots of little jack-o'-lanterns and things. So that's, yeah, I, I'm obsessed with Halloween. I'm really excited. Excellent. Yeah. Christmas. Yes. <laughs> that is actually exactly my one as well. I went to Target here and they have the Halloween decorations out and I bought a spatula that's shaped like a bat so it's like what you cool. so i literally a made spatula. yeah that's so amazing i flipped some pancakes today with my bat spatula <laughs> <laughs> and so what is a not very goth thing that you did this week miles um let me think about that what's a not very goth thing that i did this week what a lampshade but it is pretty goth actually yeah <laughs> You can't help it. Everything you do is goth. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think about that. Did my tax? That's pretty goth. No, it's not that goth. Yeah, I suppose it's not doing my tax yet. <laughs> uh, what about you, Hannah? Um, I I've been listening to so many audiobooks, and this week I listened to like. It's like it's kind of, I guess, like a secret thing of mine that I'm really into just like trashy celebrity like memoirs. <laughs> so I was listening. I mean, I love her. I was reading, but I listened to Amy Poehler's um, like celebrity memoir. That's just very silly. And it's just a bunch of like kind of uh, like name droppy kind of stuff. But an old like, you know, commie sketch show mentions. Mm. So another one of my great loves, but definitely not very goth. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you go. Sorry. Uh, Chrissy Amplett's uh, autobiography is very much worth reading. Oh, oh she's she's amazing. Like, yeah. oh, she was yeah. she was such an amazing person. 
Yeah. I got to play with him once. Uh, what? Some um, <laughs> of the last Nylon shows ever at the, at the uh, home bake festival. Yeah. What's she like? What was um, she like? We, we, we couldn't get anywhere near her. But, um, we, we found yeah. She seems like she'd be, she would have been like the coolest person ever. She was great vibe. She was great. Oh, that voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess um, the not very good thing I did this last week, I was in bed with gastro, which is so fun. <laughs> but one of the things was it was happening at the same time as Twitter was going off about the Don't Worry Darling um, premiere, oh. like the world premiere, <laughs> and that entire dumpster fire, whatever the hell that was. So I was just basically living on Twitter, reading up all, all this juicy celebrity gossip. <laughs> so that, I think, yeah, that was me. Yeah. That was, yeah. Gossip is pretty dark. You think so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gossip. like Venice Film Festival Gossip. celebrity, like celebrity culture. Do you think, I mean, do you think that's very goth? I don't know. I reckon a lot yeah. of following that, mm. Oh, yeah. Like there was, there was some stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah, it was, oh, man, it was the only thing keeping me going. <laughs> I was just so miserable in bed. I think having gastro and being sick probably wasn't very goth. Yeah. No. But then, oh, yeah. but then you might die, and what's more goth than that? That's <laughs> yeah. And you got something to complain about, which also. That's <laughs> <laughs> We're just we're just too goth, like in everything we do. I know. I exactly. had to really think. I had to really think about that. It's hard, yeah, because I think I don't do much that's not, except for maybe occasionally listen to my trashy nostalgia playlist, which has a lot of Aqua and uh, Bewitched and the Spice Girls and Hanson on it. So I think that's probably my not goth thing that I do quite regularly. Oh, no, I mean, the Spice Girls, like the pageantry of their outfits, it's so theatrical. I think it's something that's happened just with modern culture where a lot of it, there's not the kind of, practical effort put into a lot of this stuff that there was when I was younger and I have really a new appreciation for bands that were around when I was young that I was kind of like didn't think was my thing but like Spice Girls I'm just like oh my god I just like appreciate it so much and it's like costume changes it's so much fun speaking of amazing goth outfits and goth by name I guess um Mia Goth she wore this amazing outfit to a I think it's the um Toronto International Film Festival mm-hmm. she it looks so so amazing I, I definitely recommend everyone have a look at that she's wearing a black veil and a black dress and just oh, I'm like what oh. so good okay. it's, it's fantastic I have to look that up okay that's it from us that's a wrap with Miles yay thank you for hanging out with us thank you very much for having me it was a pleasure